Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. And welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, uh, September 7, 2010. I'm Terry Aranga, and I'm joined this week by our returning co-host, Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica. We were supposed to be joined again this week by Judy Converse, who is a licensed registered dietitian specializing in pediatric nutrition for learning and developmentally disabled children who has a new book, Special Needs Kids Eat Right, Strategies to Help Kids on the Autism Spectrum Focus, Learn, and Thrive, and an upcoming book, Special Needs Kids Go Farm Free, P-H-A-R-M, Nutrition-Focused Tools to Help Minimize Meds and Maximize Health and Well-Being. Um, unfortunately, Judy is not here yet, and we hope that she's okay, uh, thus explaining why I'm a bit discombobulated. <laughs> so we're just going to go forward with Kristen, and Kristen will be filling in for the roles of Kristen and Judy, so welcome, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Hello. How's it going, Terry? <laughs> little discombobulated. Well, you did so well, though, saying that book. I mean, that has to be the longest title of a book I think I've ever heard. <laughs> no, I, I think the, the, actually my favorite Scrabble word is methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. My uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh, long Scrabble words and long book titles. So it's uh, if you put that on a triple word score with some triple letters, you're in good shape. So, <laughs> so now to tackle something easier, let's review, Kristen, why do we talk about special diets for special needs kids diagnosed with autism? Well, we talk about it because our children are so toxic and we need to look at their autoimmune um, we need to look at what's going on in their bodies and why they may be suffering from um, from different things happening in their bodies. A lot of our children have things that are called leaky gut syndrome, um, and we need to figure out why that's happening. And I think so many people don't look at that brain-gut connection. And the specific carbohydrate diet is just another diet to consider when you've tried the gluten-free, casein-free, or you've tried a rotation of diets. It's just another thing to consider. Okay, let's uh, backtrack a little bit here. Help me, uh, help me crack some of these chickens and eggs and figure out which came first. <laughs> okay, we've got metabolic issues. Uh-huh. We've got immune issues, including allergy. Mm-hmm. We have gastrointestinal issues, and then what some people don't realize is also going on, which are gastroimmune uh, gastroimmune issues. So, can you help unravel? What order these things go in or how they all sort of feed off each other uh, to create a vicious cycle? Okay, well, basically I think it's different for a lot of our kids. Um, I don't think that any two kids are created exactly equal, so I wouldn't exactly know the perfect order or the perfect recipe of why things happen. But I can tell you that a lot of our kids, they have a breakdown somewhere. And so whether that be, you know, due to environmental um, toxics or what have you, what's happening is there's a breakdown uh, nevertheless. And so they start building up issues, whether that issue is yeast, um, whether that issue is um, heavy metal toxicity, something is going down that's breaking up that gut. And so it becomes this cycle. And what ends up happening is some of the foods that we are feeding our kids, especially when you're looking at the specific carbohydrate diet, um, a lot of the foods prior to we get, but prior to us getting to that diet, is their yeast fighters, or their I'm sorry, their yeast feeders. They we're feeding our kids these foods, and yet we're not understanding why their gut is not getting any better because their body is just so overfilled with like it's like overflowing with yeast. But wait, but wait a minute, Kristen. What if this is the first time a listener ever turned on this show? Are, are do you mean like an overabundance of honey buns? What are we talking about <laughs> when we talk about yeast? Well, if they are eating honey buns, then probably they are having a yeast issue. <laughs> now, why is this? What is the relationship? Are you talking about baker's yeast, brewer's no, yeast? No, I'm yeast talking about food? candida. So basically, I know when I first like heard the word yeast, I was like, okay, so that means he can't have bread? Does that mean he can't have this, that, and the other? Anything with the word yeast? Um, actually, it's, it's an overgrowth of candida. Um, now, what's happening is how I describe it in mommy terms, especially if they're brand new, they've never heard this before, 
Um, okay, so just imagine this like scary monster inside of you because that's kind of how I imagine it. It's basically um, certain foods that we're feeding it. It's a bacteria overgrowth that's happening within our body. And actually, I saw pictures on the Internet once. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it completely freaks you out because, like, literally there's, like, tentacles that, like, will go in and embed into um, the different the different cells in the body and, like, the different, like, little pathways that they're trying to get in. And yeast is a definitely something that all of us have. So think if you're a woman, have you ever had a yeast infection? Um, a baby might get, um, might get thrush um, when they're born, right? Um, and so these are all things that are yeast, but a lot of times we don't really think of it as anything serious because we all hear these are common things people have. However, for our children, their bodies are not um, having enough good bacteria to go in and get rid of that yeast. And all of us have yeast. I mean, we have yeast. Um, we're humans. We, that's just part of our bodies. However, what we need is we need the good microflora or the good probiotics. We've all heard about probiotics lately. Um, we need those good guys to go in and actually help fight off some of that yeast um, and actually make it more of a, a balance. And that's really what it needs to be. It needs to be a balance. And our children just have an overgrowth. They're not balanced. And so you might see certain things that um, uh, might indicate there's yeast. Um, before we uh, started talking, um, Terry and I were... <laughs> I was giggling because I said, you know, last night my son was having a giggle attack. Like he was literally laughing and he woke up this morning um, and he had a really bad headache. And Terry had, and you've said, you basically said, oh, he has a hangover. And that's so true. Think about what beer is. Beer is yeast, right? Um, however, that's going to go in and it's going to feed whatever it's feeding. And you wake up with, if you drink too much of it, what happens? You wake up with a hangover. Well, my son is fighting yeast like crazy right now and was laughing. And it was so fun laughing with him last night. But today, he's not feeling that great because that, his body is trying to rid itself. Does that, is that more helpful in mommy terms? Right. So not only does the scary monster have tentacles, <laughs> but it also spits like the dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Yes, it does. Uh, it spits out poisons. It spits out toxins. And it's not only yeast that gives off toxins, candida, excuse me, but it's also things like clostridia. Mm -hmm. And that gives off toxins into the system as well. So and also, it actually encapsulates, or I can't speak this morning, it actually is basically guarding all the bad stuff, too. So a lot of times, um, the yeast is like, imagine like this, like, this kind of like slime is how I think of it. It's basically protecting things like your heavy metals and your bacteria a lot of times. And if anyone's ever heard um, of the biofilm protocol, that's a lot of times what they're talking about there. All right, so... You, you mentioned, we've mentioned some bugs and how we need to crowd them out with, um, with good floor, with probiotics, and we'll get to that in a minute, but you also had started to talk about the specific carbohydrate diet, Kristen. So what are the tenets of the specific carbohydrate diet? Well, how I look at the specific carbohydrate diet, and especially if you're new to this, if you're new, you probably heard about the gluten-free, casein-free diet, right? So we've, that's kind of like the basic. Well, if that diet, if you didn't really see the results you're looking for, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, and I've said this before, that the diet doesn't work. It just means that you need to find additional culprits. And so the specific carbohydrate diet, when we look at it for autism or autism spectrum disorders for that matter, we look at it still as a foundation of the gluten-free, casein-free. And then what we look at is we try to think of it, I think of it this way. You take out the potato, rice, and corn, and there's other things that are involved, but, like, that's kind of the basics is you're going to take out the potato, rice, and corn, and, um, you know, you're thinking, my gosh, what do I have left to eat, right? Um, however, there are plenty of foods that you're allowed to eat. They do a lot with different nuts, and uh, you definitely can have different fruits and different meats and lots of different veggies, um, they use the like almonds um, and cashews for different uh, flowers, so that's where you get your muffins from. So definitely, there's a lots of different alternatives and choices. Um, and there is a book called Breaking the Vicious Cycle by Elaine Gottschalk, and that is really where we saw a lot of this diet come from. She actually didn't invent the diet; uh, she actually rediscovered the diet. 
And originally it was found for celiac. And then the autism community was able to kind of tweak it a little bit, and we're seeing great results now in the autism um, community. Now, one thing to note, and I don't know when we have to go to break, but one thing to note is that a lot of us don't do it right when we first start out. Um, And if you definitely are starting, I would highly, highly recommend going to pecanbread.com and looking at their chart when it comes to an intro diet because you want to start with the intro and then go through stages one through Five. Right. That's pecanbread.com, P-E-C-A-N-B-R-E-A-D.com. Um, they also have a Yahoo listserv group that you can join, and you'll find lists of legal and illegal foods, uh, and also you know references to Breaking the Vicious Cycle by Elaine Gottschall. So some great information there that's been very helpful to so many children. And with that, we will pick up after we come back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back with Kristen. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back, and Judy Converse has joined us. Judy, again, is a licensed registered dietitian specializing in pediatric nutrition for learning and developmentally disabled children. Her books are Special Needs Kids Eat Right, Strategies to Help Kids on the Autism Spectrum Focus, Learn, and Thrive, and her upcoming book, Special Needs Kids Go Farm, P-H-A-R-M, Free, Farm Free, Nutrition-Focused Tools to Help Minimize Meds and Maximize Health and Well-Being. Check out her website, www.nutritioncare.com. Net. Now that Judy's back, and welcome, Judy, I know I can articulate that today is September 7th. So, Judy, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're okay. We're going to pick up with Kristen in what we were talking about before the break, and that was the specific carbohydrate diet. And, Kristen, I assume that you've tried this with your child, and was it hard? Was it worth it? Um, I don't think that any diet when you're first, you know, trying out is always going to be easy because there's that learning curve. Um, but definitely it is absolutely worth it. And I think that uh, we were talking about before when, 
you know, you've tried other things and you're not, you're still getting certain symptoms, which I think Judy will be talking about in a moment here, but you're still getting certain symptoms, you're certain, you're seeing certain characteristics, they're still having digestive issues. It's so important to know when to not be afraid to switch. And so um, we have switched with my son. We've done many different diets and uh, the SCD diet, um, specific carbohydrate diet, has been really a key, you know, with my son. And, um, you know, one thing that I'm always good at telling everybody is all the things I've messed up on. And I went through dietitians and nutritionists and everything else, and yet a lot of them weren't aware, and this is important, especially if you're working with somebody who, you know, is charging you money and is a dietitian or a nutritionist, um, if they're trying to help you with the SCD diet and they're not um, really knowledgeable on the intro or the different stages, I would definitely try to find somebody else. Um, we um, we do a lot of consulting with pecanbread.com, and um, there's only actually five people that are trained under Elaine Gottschall, and I want to make that note so people understand. And so you want to make sure your person's really connected with one of those people would be my recommendation because I did not do that right in the beginning. And the intro diet um, basically, in a sense, was a cleanse for a few days um, on a particular soup, and then we go through the different stages, um, and there's only certain foods you need to have um, or that's allowed, actually, in stages one through five, and until your gut starts to heal um, a bit better. And when we did it the right way, um, the way that they suggested, we saw a huge improvement in my son, and uh, he began to thrive and uh, started doing a lot better. Yeah, there were only uh, two thing, two interventions that we ever did that caused a noticeable and remarkable improvement in my son's stool status, and one of those was the specific carbohydrate diet. Judy, how would a parent know when it was a good time to consider switching? Say they've been doing GFCF for a while, which, by the way, um, helps and heals lots of kids, but for some kids, when would parents need to start considering moving on to the specific carbohydrate diet? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, yeah, um, gosh. So I would say, yeah, that's it's not the first diet you might try um, usually. I think it's a good thing to do to try moving through a couple of these other tools because they're actually a little bit diagnostic for you. Even if they don't completely succeed, they can give you information about what enzymes are, are likely a little bit functional in your child digestively and what are not and what, what might be going on for absorption. So if you've tried a gluten casein-free diet and a soy-free as well for a good year or six months and your child still doesn't have normal stools and you're still not seeing signs of good health, which would include growth, um, good color in skin, and some normal normalizing developmental features, then it is definitely time to go deeper. In fact, I tell parents I work with, if we implement a plan, and it doesn't even matter what, it could be any plan, I work with all kinds of diets, and then nothing happens in four to six months, that's it's time to change the plan. So if you've been kind of languishing on a diet and you don't see progress, yeah, it's definitely time to shift your plan should you shift to an SCD. And signs that you might be a candidate for that would be making maybe a little bit of a progress on a gluten casein free diet, but obviously not digesting all those gluten-free grains very well. Um, kids who need SCD are kids who are not able to digest carbohydrates typically, and they have really uh, altered microflora in the gut as a result and usually a lot of gut tissue damage as well. And I, I work with a lot of SCD kids. I, I met Elaine Gottschall years ago. She was a wonderful, smart lady, did go to her trainings, met the pecan bread community, and it is a complicated diet. So it's really important to work with someone who's a little bit familiar with it. I think what's also really important is is really understanding when it's okay to um, mix it up a little bit. I meet Lots of kids who've tried it for quite a while, and um, their parents are at wit's end because it, it is a complicated diet. They've seen progress, but they're they're fried. <laughs> they they want to know when is it okay to eat more food, and it's it's kind of like how do you work your way back to eating more food, and when is that okay? And that can be really individualized as well. I always have as a goal that kids don't, you know, hopefully can eat eventually 
whatever, and it's not going to knock their socks off or be absorbed so abnormally that it impairs something for them. And if we can get to that point, that means we've got lots of gut tissue healing. So um, definitely for kids who don't progress very well on gluten-casein-free diet, if you've used gluten-casein-free and you haven't omitted soy, then you need to give that a shot first. If If you haven't treated bowel infections with some efforts, give that a shot first. Um, that would be my advice. And again, all these steps are diagnostic, which is why I break these things down so sequentially in practice. Um, I do meet, sometimes parents just want to dive right into SCD. It really depends on the family and what the level of um, availability there is in the family, in the kitchen, to take it on because it's a lot of work and it can produce really nice new shifts for kids. And again, proving, if you will, in my opinion, it's like a case situation that, wow, that child really needed that measure and it really worked for that child. Judy, I know that the specific carbohydrate diet uses a specially prepared yogurt, goat yogurt, I believe, which naturally contains probiotics. And I think they believe um, if a supplemental probiotic is used, it should be a single strain. Is, Is this all the case? Yeah, and I'm sure Kristen could talk about that, too. And that I don't think that's, like, first stage. I think you kind of work your way yeah. up to when you introduce that goat yogurt. It's a dairy food. It does, therefore, have casein in it. And um, the approach is that you get the gut to the point where there's enough healing where you can tolerate that particular form of casein, and it, you've replanted, if you will, you've refertilized your gut to colonize itself with this really beneficial bacteria. And Kristen, in what stage do parents exactly try to reintroduce that goat yogurt? And do you see that move around a lot? Because I have that question a lot from parents. And I notice kids seem to vary on when they tolerate that and when they don't. Well, I know that um, a lot of us in the community don't use that form of the probiotic. We actually just use a probiotic on it by itself that doesn't have that casein in it. Um, I don't know many families that go the goat yogurt or, you know, that route um, due to that they are so afraid. They're so afraid of um, that casein. Um, I know when I spoke with pecan bread, um, people over there, they just said it all depends on that child and the gut, but that's really in a stage five. It's not, um, it's something that, if you're going to think about doing, you really want to make sure you've made it through the different foods and use a separate probiotic um, in the meantime. I know we would, I probably will never use the goat yogurt for my son, um, but I do hear some people when their children are maybe not as sensitive, they, um, they've they really um, raved about it. Kristen, can you explain the general importance of probiotics to us, why we need to ensure that our children get these? I know we talked earlier about crowding out the bad bugs and the different way different diets like body ecology and nutritional supplements get these into us? Well, it's just it's so important that we have a balance that we were talking about before and that microflora, um, a lot of people really overlook or they think, oh, I gave my son or my daughter, you know, one probiotic and that should be good. But our, our children are just so... Um, they're, they're in a sense they're they're so they're lacking it, and I hate to use the word sick, but that's kind of what I think about. They're just so um, over uh, the, over the top, I guess is a good word of having just so much bacteria and so many other things going on in their bodies. And again, every child is so different, but we really need to look at the probiotics because that is going to help our gut. It's going to help. Um, it's going to help us in the healing process, and it really does help with digestion. We've all seen the, the those commercials with Jamie Lee Curtis, and can't tell you how many times people bring up the Activia or whatever the yogurt's called, and it's, they're always talking about digestion. When, um, and probiotics, um, along with enzymes together, those those really complement each other, and they really go in and help um, not only feed what we're, we want to feed the good guys in us, we want to actually grow those colonies, but also helps us break down our food when we look at the enzymes together with that. Judy, let's talk about a couple of things here, um, some different schools of thought. Kristen was just talking about both enzymes and probiotic. probiotics. There's different schools of thought on administration of probiotics in relation to meals um, and digestive enzymes. And there are also different schools of thought on whether digestive enzymes can be used as a substitute for therapeutic diet. So what are your views on all of these issues? Well, yeah. That's a great question. I I think that the diet is a great tool. It's hard. 
Um, if you are treatment naive, if you will, with your child, hasn't tried any nutrition, diet, whatever, um, I think you will be pretty impressed if you use it correctly for a month or two what changes for your child. Um, that's the, the clearest way to, that's like a great test. It's all about what works for your child. Again, not all parents, I, I work with all kinds of parents. I don't just work with the autism community. I see all kinds of kids with special needs who clearly benefit from tools that have kind of grown up out of the autism community, but not all those parents are really on board. So they look to things like enzymes. In my opinion, they, they are definitely helpful, but what would, is really great is being strict on the diet and then even adding some enzymes for other issues to help digest things more typically. I don't see enzymes being a 100% substitute for a gluten casein-free diet, not at least in the kids that I'm encountering. Maybe if there are kids who are less severe or don't, who don't have immune responses to those food proteins, maybe they can get away with that. But if your child has antibodies forming to food, those enzymes... It's a tough job, to tall order for those enzymes to completely eradicate that if you're eating those foods. And um, that would be my take on that. And when to dose things, again, I, I work really hard to individualize that with a family. I, I work in what literally is going on in the house, what's the school schedule, when is the child more likely to eat something or not, what are the foods they're eating, what can I blend things with if they can't swallow capsules. So there's a lot of things that go into thinking about how to best administer something to a child. Um, again, it's, it's, something, it's just something to individualize, individualize for each kid. Okay, well, let me talk about probiotics strictly in relation to, say, stomach acid. Some people think it's better to give probiotics with a meal because it reduce, um, reduces the amount of stomach acid that the probiotics are exposed to, and some people think it's better to give probiotics away from food, um, just in that sort of technical, mechanical um, regard, what do you think? And then we'll go to break. Gosh, I think I'm finding that most kids do better with a little bit of food and simply because if I put things on into kids' empty stomachs that are supplements or probiotics, they, may, they don't tolerate that very well. They get stomach aches or reflux or throw up. So having a little bit of food around it for most of the kids I work with, seems to be beneficial in terms of keeping it in them and um, having it be effective. Okay, and we will be right back to talk about how probiotics survive and probiotics and enzymes, when to take them together or apart, when we come back from break to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. 
Mark your calendar and set an alarm so you do not miss the highly acclaimed talk show, Holistic Living with Tina Marie and Todd Allen. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, and 10 a.m. Pacific for inspirational, oftentimes edgy discussions on all that life brings our way with celebrity guests, world-famous authors, and everyday people dedicated to sharing positive, uplifting messages. Tina Marie and Todd Allen bring you the very best in talk radio discussions, guaranteed to make you smile. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Judy Converse and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. And before the break, we promised you we would ask about how probiotics survive and um, should probiotics and enzymes be taken near each other or away from each other. Judy, when Jamie Lee Curtis has that bottle of yogurt on television, how do those little organisms make it all the way down to the small, large intestine, or how do the packets that you buy in the store of probiotic um, survive, or do they, does everything need to be enterocoded? Yeah, you know, I think that this is a great question for Kristen. I know some manufacturers describe certain technologies they've created to keep the probiotic in its capsule until it gets to where it needs to go to work, and then the capsule disintegrates, which is great if your kid swallows capsules, but a lot of kids are taking the probiotic as powder stirred into things. So, um, And then you, you throw in the, the wild card of what is that particular child's gastrointestinal pH all the way through, is what's their stomach acid. Of course, a lot of kids on the spectrum have either insufficient stomach acid so food will just sit there and not be digested, or they have too much stomach acid and there's a lot of pain. So I don't know the answer to that. Like, how can you tell? And usually what I use as a barometer is how are the child's bowel movements changing. We can do a stool culture and look for beneficial strains showing up or not. Um, but I'd love to hear, Kristen, what, what you guys say about that. Well, I am. I know with us, we have a product called Digest Gold Plus Probiotics. And even after I say that, I just want to let people know that is not SCD legal, though. It is gluten-free, casein-free. Um, but um, Enzymetico put those two products together, um, our probiotic and the Digest Gold, because basically um, they noticed or they, they figured out that they work synergistically um, together for, uh, for I guess, the most optimal well-being and their digestive health. They actually um, they trademark something called their active delivery because um, when they put together the probiotics and the enzymes, um, basically it would go through the system together almost as, like I was, I, I talk in mommy terms, but I think of it as like friends, like they're holding hands throughout the system. Um, when you're talking about will things make it through the stomach acid, you know, through the stomach and through the intestines and everything else, through that acid, um, you know, it all depends on what strains you're using, you know, and I don't know. I don't know that answer either. I know um, the Digest Gold Plus Probiotics, there's a certain strain in there that um, is, you know, they've been proven that it does make it in there, but, again, that's not SCD legal. Um, I can tell you that we open up the capsules, we do the stool samples, my son definitely has the probiotics in his body, um, and it's, it's seeming to get in there. And, again, I don't know the answer to that. There are also different schools of thought on taking certain strains of probiotics, such as those that have strep or CASA. I hope I pronounced that right. And the name, Judy, what do you think about that? Um, I'm sorry, Terry. Ask me that again, Terry. I'm sorry. There are certain probiotics that have things like strep in the name or like oh, yes. Lactobacillus casei in the name, yeah. and there are different schools on thought of thought on whether those should be taken. Yes, um, uh, again, it seems to just come down to individual scenarios. So, if I'm working with a very young, maybe an infant, even I work with infants all the way up to twenty young twenty year olds. Let's say this is an infant that spent a bunch of time in the NICU, C-section delivery. In other words, a lot of circumstances that would have prevented normal colonization of that baby's gut. I will work with some of those strains then that are pretty well acknowledged 
for being some of the very first ones to populate a baby's gut. And I think Lactobacillus casei is one of those. I, I don't, you know, you can choose different probiotics to do different jobs. Um, usually, typically, by the time kids are two, three, four years old, what I would expect to see is some of those bifido strains have receded, and you've got a variety of lactobacillus strains that should be kind of showing up and populating the gut. So it's it's kind of a timeline that I work with a lot. And then, of course, work with what shows up on a stool panel or what shows up on a urine panel for acids coming from microflora. And that way we can kind of pick and choose well, what strain works best. Are we going to use one one strain, like a culturelle or something like that? Again, it's it's all about, I keep going back to this, but this is why it is so important for parents to try to get some skilled help and individualize this to your child because there's these are good products. A lot of them are expensive, so you want them to work. And the effort you are going to go to with a special diet with supplements, it's expensive and it's time-consuming and you want it to work. Well, um, I think probiotics are definitely definitely worth it. I know they've been yeah. worth it um, in, in our case over here. And um, so any money that you're spending on probiotics, you're gaining health as opposed to spending yep. money on other things. And, and I, I do always tell families, that if you're going to be spendy on supplements, definitely be spendy on your probiotics because the cheaper ones, in my opinion, they aren't worth it. They well, may have fillers in them. They may not have potency guarantees. So that's one area on the list of supplements that I'm, I'm really supportive of parents using and using. If they have to spend a little more on that product, it's going to be the right one for your child. It's going to work. It's worth it. I think that um, you've touched on something there, uh, Judy, about the, the shelf or the potency. A yeah. lot of times people don't realize when they're looking at a bottle that they want to make sure that the potency wasn't at time of um, the bottling. It's at time of being on the shelf. And so they'll look at, you know, they'll say, oh, there's 500, you know, billion or 500 million or whatever the cultures that are supposed to be in there. But a lot of times they're looking at something when they're trying to compare labels to labels. They're looking at something at time of bottling, and a lot of times it will say that in little teeny writing. And you want to make sure it's um, actually at time of purchase, like it's when you actually buy that bottle, um, because that's that's really that's really important to know. I know I had no idea, you know, about that when I was uh, first learning about, you know, probiotics. But, again, it is about what you spend your money on. Um, as a parent and also somebody who works for a company, it is it is really important to get the best out there. It's kind of like, you know, if you're going to buy a car, are you going to buy, you know, I don't even know if people even know what Pintos are anymore. A Pinto <laughs> is not... You know, Pinto is not um, a Cadillac in a sense, you know, so you have to think about what what kind of car you're buying, what kind of delivery system is going to be in there, um, and that's just so important for optimal, you know, health. And speaking yeah. of which, don't store your probiotics in the hot car. Heat is not our probiotic trend. No, right. def- or light, exposure to light, moisture, um, or uh, heat, definitely those um, are not our probiotic friends at all. That's so true, and I can't tell you how many times I, you know, meet parents, we start the nutrition care process, and they say, well, we took probiotics for six months and nothing happened, and when I look at what they took, it'll be maybe a chewable that came from, you know, Walgreens, <laughs> not to knock Walgreens, just, but if you're looking for a very, you need a very targeted product, and it's going to work well. If your child has big issues around absorbing and digesting food, a little bit of yogurt every day or a little bit of a chewable, very low-potency pill with um, a lot of starchy filler, that's not going to do the job. Judy, you wanted to talk about iron. Why is iron an issue with kids with autism? Some people are worried about them getting too much. Some people are worried about them having too little. Yeah, iron's an issue for all kids. It's an issue. It's been a public health issue. It's been on the radar of the CDC for a long time for kids in the United States. There's a lot of kids in the U.S. who have poor iron status or anemia, which is a, a little bit, I guess, you, to differentiate, poor iron status precedes anemia usually. But if you have poor iron status, a lot of things are going to go wrong, especially for a developing child. It makes a lot of learning tasks much harder. And that this is all very well do- documented. It has been in the academic nutrition press for years. Kids with um, anemia tend to have more attention and focus problems. They tend to have specifically 
more trouble learning math tasks, which is interesting. But behaviorally, these are kids who will have more trouble sleeping. They tend to be much more irritable, hyper, crabby, um, whiny, if you will. And you'll see signs of this in kids who have really poor color in their face, dark circles under their eyes. When kids move into outright anemia, then they may become more lethargic. They won't have energy for playing and doing kind of normal kid things. So in terms of learning tasks, brain development, immune function, it's a key nutrient for normal infection fighting. Iron is really important. So then the other end of the story, of course, for some kids with autism, I think it shifts out as about a third have um, some problem with too little iron. And this would be so expected in kids who have inflamed guts and intestines who don't absorb nutrients normally. Even if they're eating enough, they might not be absorbing it normally. Um, and then you have about a third who have relatively okay iron status, and then another third who may store too much iron. And this is another problem where your, your body's mechanisms to tell you kind of when to stop absorbing the iron from the gut are, maybe are not working correctly. So iron is a really important nutrient, and it's not something to start supplementing without baseline data first because it's toxic. It's too much of it is toxic, and that's where there's been a little bit of data published from the autism community about a subset of kids who had too much iron, and it can be neurotoxic. And that's true for any kid. Now, I have a um, but it doesn't mean that no children with, iron, with autism should ever use iron. In my practice, so far... Mostly, I find when I get to test them that they are lacking some iron. They need some careful, thoughtful supplementation, and I coordinate that usually with their pediatricians, which I love to do because that means I'm getting another MD on board and opening their eyes a little bit. <laughs> so um, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit complicated, but uh, a really important when we get back, Judy, I definitely want to talk a little. I have a question regarding um, iron sure. at the other moment. Okay, we'll be right back to pick up with that. Always store iron-containing supplements out of your child's reach. And as Judy stated, before you undertake any regimen of supplementing iron, have your doctor do some baseline testing with your child first to make sure that's appropriate for your child. We'll be right back. Thank you to our Spencer Enzymedica. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Judy and Kristen, and Kristen had wanted to make a comment or ask a question of Judy. Yes. Okay, so you were talking about iron before, and I get so many questions in my inbox regarding iron, and I know my son really struggled. Um, They kept putting him on supplements, and it really constipated him. And even though we were giving the iron-rich foods and um, we were trying to supplement, um, I was wanting to know your opinion on this because... It seemed like until we got enzymes into his body um, and really helped break up those foods is when his iron level started to become more balanced. And the supplements that we're throwing at our kids a lot of times, we're not really thinking about it. But every time we get those tests back when they're not showing that there's a balance of some sort, it's not because of the supplement itself or the food itself. It's that it's not being absorbed, which I think you hit on. And I know for me, enzymes have been so huge because one thing we always talk about is vitamins and nutrients cannot be absorbed into the body without enzymes. And so it doesn't replace diets. It actually enhances it. But um, my guess is um, also the supplements you're also taking. What is your thought on that? Yeah. Well, you've really hit on it, Kristen. I, like I said earlier, the body has a lot of intelligence around how much iron to absorb and when from the gut, and how much we will absorb will change based on what our stored iron sources are, and this will fluctuate all over the place. Now, you have a child who has a digestive insufficiency. It would follow that if you're able to use enzymes with some iron-rich foods, that they're going to absorb that better and make those things more available. The other thing I want to mention is here's what I observe over and over again in the pediatric community, and again, this is nationwide because I'm seeing kids from all over the country Usually the iron piece is forgotten. I usually prompt parents to request iron screening with their pediatricians if I see signs that are active for poor iron status. The numbers will come back low, but the pediatrician will not be concerned because they aren't below the reference range. Um, One of the markers that I look at is ferritin. It's just one of several that you can look at for iron. If ferritin is below 20 or 30, in my experience clinically, kids do not function very well. It needs to be above 30 before you start to see a child have more normal energy and sleep patterns. Um, I have seen kids come across my desk with ferritin levels as low as 7, wow. and the pediatrician will say, well, it's detectable, so I'm not concerned. In my <laughs> opinion, that is the wrong way to go. I mm-hmm. think it needs to be treated. So if a pediatrician does supplement, they usually pick a product called ferrous sulfate, which is probably just about the hardest form of iron to absorb. It does constipate a lot of kids. If you give a child, and usually what they will do is give really big doses, and you give that to a child who also may have bowel infections that are not treated, those microbes love iron too. And I have seen kids literally go berserk. I had one boy in my caseload who broke his helmet. He had to wear helmets for um, seizures and um, behavior issues. He was given an iron supplement by his pediatrician and banged his head so hard because it was so painful for him and constipated that he broke the helmet. So, um, yeah, I, that's the wrong way to go. There, uh, another form of iron is, that's much more absorbable is ferrous bisglycinate. And you can buy smaller doses of it and use it over a longer period of time. That works better in my experience. And then best of all is using those iron-rich foods if you can. And if I love grass-fed organic beef, lentils, dark greens, eggs, if your child can eat those foods. Um, wonderful if you can give them food and they can yeah. start extracting it from the food. When kids' iron levels are so depleted, they do need to be brought back up to speed quickly with a supplement. It takes a while for iron chemistry to reboot, and there is a place for a supplement. There are some food-based supplements. There's a lot of ways to go. If you've been given one by your doctor and it really seems not great for your child, there's a lot of other options to help your child restore that status. It's really important. But Judy, Paula, make sure you talk to your doctor first, though, so you're not running yep. out to the supplement store grabbing iron right now. Exactly. You Thank really you. Need to look yeah. at that. When you said reboot in the chemistry, I think it's important for the parents to, to not run out to the health food store and now go buy iron. Really right. talk to a specialist regarding it. Exactly. Right. right. Iron is serious business. Um, Judy, should you do... Regular, you know, 
baseline, regular testing for iron status, and if a child is constipated, is there a chance that they're going to reabsorb and become toxic with iron, just like you shouldn't be constipated while you're chelating? Yeah, you can become toxic with iron, and that's why it's really important to get professional guidance on what form you're using and what dose. Usually you'll see signs and symptoms shift around. Um, if they don't, you want to retest. And, you know, in any case, you should retest. And your, your provider can look at ferritin, serum, iron, total iron binding capacity, um, I'm sure transferrin, to really make sure, hemoglobin, hematocrit, to really make sure where is this iron going? Is it being normally stored? What's going on? Now, when you need iron and you, you use a form that's absorbable and easy to take in, it does not constipate. So one of the first signs that you're using the wrong form or, or something's wrong is you're using iron and you're constipated. Your body will also absorb less iron as it needs less, and that may be constipating too. That can be a sign that you may not need the supplement anymore. But it's really important to get guidance with that. Okay. Well, we need to head towards sign-off. So for anything we didn't get to finish covering in this show, please visit Judy's website at www.nutritioncare.net and contact Judy. Well, ladies, I want to thank you for talking about nutrition this week, which is foundational to healing. And to our listeners, my guests next week, September 14th, now that Judy's here, I can articulate the date, are Mark Blaxel and Dan Olmsted, whom I will interview about their excellent must-have book, The Age of Autism, Mercury, Medicine, and a Man-Made Epidemic. September 14th is the release date for The Age of Autism, Mercury, Medicine, and a Man-Made Epidemic. This is a groundbreaking book that traces the autism epidemic by examining the first diagnosed cases of autism. Dan and Mark's detailed research is impeccable, and their conclusions are stunning. Their book will revolutionize the way people think about autism and children's health. You can order the book at the Safe Minds website, safeminds.org, or at amazon.com. Remember to visit the National Autism Association's website at www.nationalautism.org to learn about the exciting National Autism Conference November 11th through 14th in sunny, beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, providers of digestive enzymes that complement your therapeutic diet. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.